That dude's not wrong. Welcome to the jungle. What's cracking? A very good Tuesday to you. We have a lot to get done today. Let's go ahead and get started. Let me hit you up right now with a telephone number. All right, that telephone number is toll free. That telephone number is good anywhere you can hear us. That telephone number is 1 800 636 8686. Open phones in the first hour. Hit me up. If you want to follow me and check in on the X platform, go ahead and do so at Jim Rome. You can email me at Rome, R-O-M-E, at haveatake.com. Three best ways to get through. Coming up, the top of hour number two, Packers running back, Aaron Jones. Had that great game against Dallas. Aaron Jones, well, he always has a great game against Dallas. Aaron Jones, top of the second hour. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network Insider, top of hour number three. And a lot to get done. You know where to find me. I'm not hard to find. one 8686 If you need some help and you want to check out Definitely what I have to say friend. in the open, I can help you out. Why don't we start with, say, I don't know, Philly. Yo, Philly. I'm not even going to ask right now. We already know. We all know. We all know how you get when you have no greased light poles to climb, no horse crap sandos to hammer. Philly fan, put that horse crap sando down. Horse crap sandos are for closers only. Down. Coffee's for closers only. Man, the Eagles are anything but that. The Eagles certainly are not closers. In fact, not only are the Eagles not closers, the Eagles aren't openers either. You can't close. The Eagles are no-showers. No-showers who no-show their way through the last eight weeks of the regular season. And then, of course, no-showed their way Right out the postseason, the word implosion is not nearly strong enough to describe this implosion. This is a catastrophic meltdown. This is one of the worst team collapses we have ever seen, period. Full stop. Books should and will be written about this meltdown. And they're going to make those books part of the Philly public school curriculum. So that future generations of battery chuckers will know exactly what a fraudulent, choking team looks like. It's not just Kansas City that has a special message for Nick Sirianni this morning. It seems like Philly fan has the same message, except a lot more of it. It feels like the entire world wants to say to Sirianni... I don't hear bleep anymore. See ya. Hey, I don't hear anymore. See ya. Incredible. I mean, bad enough that a head coach, well, on the one hand, I want to say bad enough that a head coach is acting like that. When in reality, I love a head coach acting like that. I just know the way that thing works. It all comes around. No matter who you are, no matter how good you are, I love a head coach who acts like that, but I know deep down it's going to bite him in the ass. It's going to come around. It all comes around. And sure enough, it all came around. That was Nick Sirianni after a win in Kansas City. Alvin, can I hear that one more time just so everybody understands fully what he said, when he said it, and what has happened since? Hey, I don't hear anymore. Chief Man. 
player, maybe. You could see a player saying something like that, but the head coach? But then again, different dude, right? Here's the problem. Since he did that, they went 2-6. and 2-6 and six since then. John Gruden taking a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium in the team bus after a regular season win. Can't believe your act, Nick, after that win. That's enough of that crap. Hey, Nick, what happened to it's first and nine every first down? What happened to where's the camera? Where's the camera? What happened to less thinking equals talent takeover? Less thinking equals talent takeover. What happened to the rock, paper, scissors lifestyle? Rock, paper, scissors. Let's see how competitive you are. Nick, the hell happened to your football team? I know what I'm doing. The hell happened to your entire season? Because I'll tell you what it looks like from here. It looks like you completely lost your football team. And it looks like they completely lost faith in you and each other. And generally when that happens, the next thing that happens is you completely lose your job. I'm not calling for this guy's job. I'm not calling for his head like I wasn't calling necessarily for Mike McCarthy's head. But you could ask some pretty serious questions, right? It looks like Sirianni lost both of his coordinators off of a Super Bowl run and did not know how to function without them. Did not know how to replace them. Didn't know what to do when things got weird. And not weird as in weird is typically good, but I mean weird. Apparently playing rock, paper, scissors or saying less thinking equals town takeover when everything is ripping apart and going to hell is not the answer. Because when the alleged best young coach in the NFL, ask him, had everything rip apart, he had no answers. No way to stop the bleeding. I know his ass defense had no way to stop anything at all. Like, the Eagles are so pathetic and so embarrassing, they almost make you forget how pathetic and embarrassing the Cowboys are. Like, it seemed impossible that Philly could go out there and embarrass themselves even worse than Dallas did. And then Philly went out there last night and made looking worse than Dallas actually look easy. I mean, it really was that bad. The Eagles dudes didn't just no-show a playoff game. They showed up defeated already. They came in pre-defeated. Like, they had already played the game in their minds and got their asses kicked. Then they took the field for the coin flip. You can't find worse vibes than the vibes on that Eagles sideline. And yes, I'm well aware that Nick Sirianni had that team in the Super Bowl last season and nearly won. And I'm well aware that this dude started 10-1 this year. But they just went from 10-1 to 1-done. And And the team could not look any more excited for that season to come to an end. And they couldn't look any more excited to get as far away as possible from each other as they could. And if you lose the locker room as a head coach, once you lose the locker room as a head coach, it is virtually impossible to get it back. So if this guy has, and it sure as hell looks like he has, and he can't get them back, how do you bring him back? Now, to Nick's part, he says he's not at all worried about his job. He's not worried about his job. Says here, he absolutely should be worried about his job. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about the guys. Um, 
again, there's a lot of guys in that locker room, all the guys in that locker room, every single one of them that put their heart and soul into this. Um, I'm not worried about me. I'm not. I'm worried. I'm, I'm not worried. I'm. I'm. You know, as the head coach, uh, I'm just trying to be there for our guys and our staff right now. Um, you know, through a through a tough time. Hey, everybody, gather up, gather up, bring it in, bring it in. Rock, paper, scissors. Well, what do you mean every single one of them put their heart and soul into this? He said that, quote, every single one of them put their heart and soul into this. Yo, into what? Into what exactly? If you mean every single one of them put their heart and soul into getting your ass fired, then maybe. But every single one of them put their heart and soul into that game last night? Yeah, nobody's buying that. Nobody who saw that game is buying that. Jalen Hurts did his best Dak Prescott impression after the game and also tried to defend his head coach. He just didn't do a very good job at it at all. Just like Jalen, and I know he's banged up, but just like Jalen has not done a very good job on the field of late. I didn't know he was going anywhere. I don't. I didn't, I didn't know that. Nah. I have everybody. I have a ton of confidence in um in everyone in this building. Um, it's just a matter of us going out there and playing clean football, and that's been something that we have not done. Dude, in weeks, in weeks, are you seriously going to go with the? I didn't know he was going anywhere. Really, dude? Because this is exactly what happens. You've got to know that. That's what happens when a football team completely collapses into a steaming heap of flaming garbage. That's what happens when you no-show a playoff game. And all look like you'd rather be throwing down with each other than the other team. You know what happens when that happens? People's, people go some places. <laughs> they go somewhere. Well, what do you mean you had no idea he was going anywhere? And maybe he's not. But don't act like that's like the most foreign concept ever. Wait, what? Wait, wait, you mean people aren't happy with coach? People aren't happy with us? Typically, when that happens, the coach does go somewhere. And you know where that somewhere is? That somewhere is called the wood chipper. Or under the nearest bus. Also, you definitely do not look like you have, quote, a ton of confidence in everyone in this building. A ton of confidence in, um, in everyone in this building. What are you talking about, dude? I mean, just looking at your sideline alone. Never mind looking at what transpired on the field. Looking at your sideline alone. Looking at the way you interact with each other. What do you mean? It looks like you have a ton of confidence in everybody in the building. It looks like you have no confidence in anybody in that building. At least judging by your body language. And the guys around you did not look like they had any more confidence in you than you had in them. What I'm saying is, I do not recall an NFL team having this catastrophic a collapse ever. Like, I'm trying to, but nothing's coming to mind. Not one bad night, mind you. Not one bad night. That's not what that is. That's a slow-moving train wreck that culminated in the ass-kicking that everybody could see from a mile away except James Kelly, who chose them and got worked yet again. Kelly, that jarred curse is real, yo. Man, I hope you learned your lesson, fathead. Knowing you, you didn't. Fat! 
Head. Winthrop. Hope you learned your lesson, Head, but I know you didn't. Back to Hertz. Judging by Hertz's body language, Hertz could not be any less confident or any more exasperated by everybody in that building. It just seems like he hates everybody right now. And given the way everybody is playing and coaching, it's pretty understandable. Except that Hertz is also a part of the problem. Frankly, a massive part of the problem. At least Lane Johnson stepped up, and I would expect that. He's a leader, tough guy. At least he stepped up after the game and addressed the incredibly awkward and uncomfortable vibes and body language. What would I tell my guys? The O line, um, you know, no matter what the scoreboard is, play, um, you know, no, no slapping, no f-ing, clapping your hands, no sulking after bad plays. You go up, you go up to the line of scrimmage like nothing happened like a robot and uh yeah i mean uh, i think something that's uh needs to be addressed you know think far as concerning next season you don't want to give your opponents anything i mean they see that shit on film it, it, you know uh, sulking bad body all this stuff you, know, you can't give your opponents anything i mean he's right he's right about all that except for one thing nobody needed to pick up on the sulking or bad body language on film Tampa could see it right in front of their faces last night. We all could see it. Look, I don't know if this is actually going to cost Sirianni his job, but it's pretty hard for me to argue that he should stay. And again, I'm not looking to get anybody fired. But it's similar to the big fella, Big Mike, and his situation. It's hard to make an argument as to why he should stay and hard to make an argument why you would not give the best coach of all time a call right about now. And considering how obvious it is that Nick Sirianni is not the best coach of all time, I'd be on the phone also if I were Philly. Bottom line is, it's fair to call everything about that Eagles operation into question right now. Everything. Because there's never been a collapse like that. Again, full stop. But you know what's not in question this morning? Baker freaking Mayfield. Baker's toughness. Baker's grit. Baker's ability to keep coming back long after everybody has left him for dead. You know, the same thing as always. There's a good reason why I never gave up on this dude. And you've seen it all season long. The guy just battles. The guy just fights. We're not talking about the most physically gifted player. We're not talking about the most aesthetically pleasing quarterback. He's just a fighter and a winner and a dude who runs on that hate and that doubt and that skepticism. But with the Bucks, it's not just that Baker loves being doubted. That entire team has picked up on that vibe and that energy. The rest of the Bucks love being an underdog just as much as he does. There's something about whether it's you're an underdog or a road game, um, just having your backs against the wall and knowing it's it's just your team versus everybody else when you're counted out. And it, it's always fun to be in that role. Uh, obviously, I'm pretty comfortable in it, but uh, our team has completely embraced that throughout the year. This guy wouldn't have it any other way. Would not have it any other way. I mean, seriously, who would have ever ever thought that this team would rally from Bacon 46's retirement to actually be a better football team and actually go further in the playoffs? Who would have ever (laughs) thought that any quarterback could fill those shoes and take over that leadership void on that team? So Baker deserves credit. Todd Bowles deserves credit. Jason Light deserves credit. Because anybody who told you that they saw a Tampa playoff win coming this season is a liar. 
Hell, they made this guy beat out Kyle Trask. So, more on Baker a little bit later on. You know I've got a lot more to say about him. However, somebody else who does deserve something. Jason Kelsey. And what he deserves is, well, just better. Better. Better than that. If this really is the end, the Eagles should have sent that legend out on a way better note. Instead of sending that dude out on the worst possible note ever. It's not officially official. But Kelsey reportedly told teammates last night that he is retiring after 13 incredible seasons in Philly. And nobody wants to remember this guy as part of that utter and complete dumpster fire last night. That's not how that guy should be remembered. Not at all. Jason Kelsey should be remembered for this. For 52 years, y'all have been waiting for this. You want to talk about underdog? You want to talk about a hungry dog? For 52 years, you've been starved in this championship. Everybody wonders why we're so mean. Everybody wonders why the Philadelphia Eagles aren't the nicest fans. If I don't eat breakfast, I'm pissed off. No one wanted us. No one liked this team. No analysts like this team to win the Super Bowl, and nobody likes our fans. And you know what? I've just heard one of the best chants this past day, and it's one of my favorite, and it's new, and I hope you all learn it, because I'm about to drop it right now. You know what I got to say to all those people that doubted us, to all those people that counted us out, and to everybody who said that we couldn't get it done? What my man Jay and John just said, F- you. One of the greatest Eagles ever going out on one of the worst Philly nights ever. That dude deserves so much better. I mean, y'all do, Philly. But especially that dude. He deserves so much better. 1-800-636-8686. Let's get some reaction in here before I go to break. Because we are open in the first hour. Amber is in first. Amber in Portland, quote, Romy, cry, Eagles cry. My dudes look like they booked their trips to Cabo right before that game against the Bucks. Enjoy those margaritas, boys. War Lady Clone. At Bobby B. Cartman, quote, Philly was playing rock, paper, scissors to determine who was going to make the next tackle on defense. Man, their defense is putrid. Their defense is heinous. Their defense is horrible. Horrible. What do you know? That panic move to hand the defense over to the pencil didn't work. Hey, come to find out, Sirianni is not the smartest guy in the room. Sirianni is not the greatest young head coach ever. Sirianni, somehow, some way, they got to 10-1. and one. Granted, you might be what your record says you are, but they weren't really 10-1. and one. I mean, they were. And they even had some pretty good wins. But they weren't really a trustworthy 10-1. and one. And the fact of the matter is, he never did recover from losing both those coordinators. I mean, look how well both those guys did this year. 
Obviously, they were critical to what they did last year. So now what? Now what? Can you really bring this guy back? Well, if you bring this guy back, obviously, you have to overhaul his staff. But do you trust him to hire his staff? Look what he did. Look what he did when he lost his coordinators. So now what? Squirrel 2, quote, You can't recall a team collapsing like the 2023 Eagles. Neither can we. Yours, the 2023 Jacksonville Jaguars, who started off 8-3, and three, then finished 9-8, and eight, and missed the playoffs altogether. I mean, yeah, nice try. Don't get me wrong. They imploded too, but not like Philly. Philly nearly won the Super Bowl last year. Philly was 10-1 this year, not 8-3. So no, not a good comp. I mean, not a horrible comp. But no, I, I don't recall a team collapsing, imploding, and having the catastrophic meltdown that Philly just had. Not even Jayville. Romeo, less tackling equals Belichick takeover. Signed, Nikolost Sirianni. Less thinking equals talent takeover. No, all honesty. V in the fee. War jungle caramel being as real as the Jards curse. Am I right? Jards Kelly. Jungle caramel. Hey, Jard's fee, stop it. That didn't go well for James Kelly, did it? That did not go well for James Kelly. He got utterly worked. And why? He's sophomoric. He's juvenile. He openly defied me. He went rogue with Allen. Tried to drag Allen in a second time. And even Allen wouldn't do it. Thank you, Allen. So what happened? You lost money. You lost clout. You lost cred. You lost everything except your sophomoric attitude. Apology accepted. Although I know you, Kelly. You will apologize to absolutely no one. You should, though, dude. To apologize to absolutely nobody. All right, you have your telephone number again if you're just jumping in. I've got Green Bay Packers running back Aaron Jones coming up at the top of our number two. Tom Pelissero coming up at the top of our number three. Phone lines are open. Why would you not take advantage of that? There's so much to talk about. And what about Bill Belichick? Where is he going to end up? Where is Jim Harbaugh going to end up? How come nobody's talking about my dude Mike Vrabel? Where might he end up? Clones, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so sensational? You can start with the fact that it's a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's finest beef jerky. Do not be fooled. All beef jerky is not one and the same. Do not be fooled by other brands. Make sure you choose Old Trapper, where you can actually see the quality right through their iconic Clearview packages. Every single bite of Old Trapper is tender. It's never tough because they use just the best ingredients. They don't have to, but they do. Others don't. Old Trapper does. And it comes in four amazing flavors. Try each and every one. It's easy to do so because they come in a four-ounce bag. That way you can get each and every one. If you already know which one you like best, get the big boy. Get that 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for the entire team. If you don't see it when you go looking for it, and you will, 
But if you don't, just be sure to ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Got a short segment here quickly, though, at the King Beller on the X. Quote, Romy, three words, Baker, freaking Mayfield, go Bucks. We absolutely love him here. I've always loved the guy. I loved him in college. I loved him with the Browns. I loved him when he struggled because that's who that guy is. He always bounces back. I loved him when he won a playoff game for the Browns. Did I mention he won a playoff game for the Browns? Then the guy dragged himself out there, all jacked up physically, tried to play through it, went terribly, got crushed for it. They gave up what they gave up, namely everything in the world for the creep. They run him off. I love the guy even then. I loved him when he came to L.A., got off the airplane, went right to the facility and won a game midweek. And I love the guy when he went to Tampa and signed a prove-it deal and had to beat out Kyle Trask. And just did what he always does, man. Went to work. Kept his head down. Battled. Competed. I love the way he handled himself after that game last night. And I love the way his teammates love him. And believe me, I've always had this guy's back. And I've always loved the guy. And in most cases, it's not easy to do so. He gets a lot of heat and a lot of flack. But Tampa, I'm glad you love that guy. He's earned it. I'm happy to see it. Let's quickly go to Tampa. In market, on topic, we're on topic, in market, Jimmy in Tampa. Jimmy, how you feeling? What's going on? Hey, Romy, thanks for the vine, as always. I appreciate you. You too. Hey, what I want to say is, uh, first of all, Philly fans, thank you for coming to our lovely city. Thank you for spending your money here, but uh, it's time to go bye-bye now. Uh, Baker Mayfield, can't say enough about the dude. Uh, A lot of heart after Bacon 46 left. Didn't know what we were going to do. Baker stepped into those huge shoes. Uh, this guy's got uh, the, 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 the cojones to come in here and take this team where it needs to go, where it needs to be. Uh, word out to Jason Light, please, please take that pen out and write a check because you're going to have to write him a new deal after this year. Jim, I'm out. Thanks for the vine. You got it, Jimmy. Thank you. I think that Jason Light will. I think he's earned it. In fact, I know he's earned it. Of course he's earned it. He got you into the postseason and won a game, and you advanced. More than you could have ever hoped for. They didn't win in spite of him. In a lot of ways, they won because of him. Defense did a great job. But in that first half, when they needed to get out quickly, he was making plays. Believe me. Believe me. His wide receiver crew was doing their best Kansas City Chief imitation. This could have been so much worse than it was had guys not dropped the ball all over the field in the first half. He kept them in it. I just love the guy's vibe. I've always loved the guy's vibe, always loved his attitude. And I loved what I saw after the game, too. When he did that post-game interview, there was no, hey, tell me how my ass tastes. How you like me now? Bleep you. That was for all the doubters. That was for all the haters. This guy proed up. He's like, hey, it's great. It's great. I'm proud of everybody. I'm proud of everybody. I'm thrilled to be here. And now we have another great opportunity, a really tough opportunity. 
Like, said all the right things, carried himself the right way. Couldn't be happier for the dude. And yeah, he did have to step into some really big shoes. And, and frankly, what did they really think? What, if you're being really honest, did anybody see this guy as anything other than a bridge QB? A guy to take over for a year to get us to the next guy. A stopgap at best. I'm guessing everybody saw him like that except Baker himself. Talking about the former number one pick overall. And when they said to him, you have to beat out Kyle Trask, he's like, all right, whatever it takes. Whatever I need to do, whatever it takes, because while everybody's coming at me, I still believe in me. I know I can still do it. I know I'm not only still a starter in this league, I can win in this league. I can get to the postseason. And looky here, he won another playoff game. More playoff wins than the Browns have since they've returned. I mean, it's awesome. I've got more thoughts on that, too. Hey, Mafia, I have not forgotten about you. I have not forgotten about you. It's just that Philly's implosion was the biggest story last night. But I will get to you, Mafia, as well. 1-800-636-8686. Also, this Belichick thing is amazing, right? So, you got to think there's going to be a bidding war now. So, where does the guy go? He was on Arthur Blank's yacht. I can make an argument that Dallas would have an interest. They should. I can make an argument that Philadelphia would have an interest. They should. I can make an argument that Philadelphia is a better spot for Belichick than Dallas. But I wonder. I wonder what they think. And I wonder what the hood thinks. We know Jim Harbaugh was in L.A. interviewing with the Chargers. According to Dan Wetzel, we're still negotiating with Michigan. Typical Harbaugh, right? I'm not saying that you shouldn't play both sides, but very typical of him to play both sides. He's always playing every side. And coaching carousel is crazy. We will get into all of that with Tom Pelissero a little bit later on. But first, here is a sports update. Here's Andrew Bogish. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. So what's going on right now with Jarrah in Dallas? Tough to say. Tough to say because he did not do his regularly scheduled radio hit. Something that you know he doesn't like to miss. He loves it. Loves it. Except when all hell is breaking loose. Listen, if everything were fine and he was going to retain Mike McCarthy and knew exactly what he was going to do, trust me, he would have been on the radio saying it's fine. It's not good. It's a bad loss, but we have our guy. We have our guy. We're not making a change. Here I am. Here I am. But that's not what he did. In fact, that's not where he is. So that would suggest everything is not fine. The difference is, remember when Jane Slater came on yesterday, she talked about what it was like when he made the move with Jason Garrett and that Jerry likes to think about these things. Jerry needs a little bit of time. I don't know that time is on his side right now. You've got a lot of openings. Some of them are pretty good openings. There might be more potential openings. And if you've got a guy in mind that you want, time is not on his side. 
if it takes him a week to decide what to do with Mike McCarthy, if the guy he wants is Bill Belichick, Belichick may not be there. Or maybe he wants somebody else. So Jerry's got to move more quickly than he normally does in an instance like this, to me. And I still think that does make some sense. We talked about it yesterday. Would Belichick be willing to go to a situation where he knows that Jerry is always going to be up in front in the media, that Jerry's going to have that radio program, that Jerry's going to talk openly, that Jerry is going to you know, do what Jerry does, just run his mouth? Is that something that Belichick is going to like? Obviously not. But could he live with it? Maybe. Bill Parcells did. I'm not saying that worked perfectly. But the two of them actually did coexist. As surreal as that whole thing is, Bill Parcells really did work for the Cowboys. He really was their head coach. As surreal as that seems now. So it's not like it hasn't been tried. It can be done. But again, I wonder what Belichick wants exactly. Because you know Arthur Blank is not going to show up on the radio every single week. Arthur Blank is not going to run his mouth. Arthur Blank will probably give him more power. But does he give him a better opportunity to win than Dallas would right now if that job opens up? No. Does he give him a better opportunity to win right now if the Philadelphia job opens up? No. But are those more desirable destinations or opportunities for Belichick? Who knows? I don't know what the mumbler's thinking. If the mumbler is about getting that record and competing for rings, better to do it in the NFC East than even a soft division and do it for the Falcons. They're just better teams, better situations. What do you think? This guy says, what are the odds, Rome, the at Atlanta Falcons get Belichick? I have them at 28-3. to <laughs> Good one, dude. It's really interesting to me, though. All right, so what about another coaching situation? Steeler fan, why don't we talk about yours? Depending on your perspective, you might say that Mike Tomlin just had another solid season with the Steelers. Or you could be a Steeler fan, in which case you're probably saying that you never want to see this guy on the Pittsburgh sideline ever again. In fact, I know that because you were saying that. You've been saying that for much of the season. You were saying that when they were 7-4, and four, and he was a Coach of the Year candidate. So I don't think anything's changed. What I've heard from Steeler fan is, hey, Rome, you and the rest of the national media have no idea what's going on here. You don't know what this guy's really like. So I'm not exactly sure how things got so toxic between Mike Tomlin and Steeler fan. I'm guessing some of it has to do with entitlement, Some of it has to do with they're used to winning. To which I would argue, you are still winning. He's never had a losing season. To which they're very quick to point out, right, but we also haven't had a winning playoff game since 2016. It's toxic. They want nothing to do with this guy. I can find a lot of people outside the organization and in the profession that would tell you firing Tomlin is crazy. I can't find a single Steeler fan, though, who's willing to say that. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying I can't find them. And then I don't think Tomlin, and by the way, I've defended him. Tomlin did not help himself at all with that act last night at the postgame podium. That stunt did not help. Listen, I get it. He's tired of talking about his future. 
This dude's like, I just won 10 games with that team. I just took that team to the playoffs. What are we even talking about? What are we even doing here? I took that team to the playoffs. Like, what am I here for? And on some level, I understand where the guy might be frustrated. He's 181, 110 and two overall, including the postseason as the head coach of the playoffs. That's not the record of a bad football coach. It's just not. And of course, he does coach for a franchise that never fires their coaches. So the entire conversation about his job status probably does seem a little bit absurd to him. To a certain extent, I get that. I do. However, this dude is not infallible. He's not above reproach. And he's not above questions about his job or his future. Especially when his contract is expiring in a year. Especially when he hasn't produced a playoff win since 2016. He's not above, and I've been defending this guy, but after seeing him last night, he's not above the very same accountability that he demands from everybody else. But he definitely acted like it, didn't he, when he stormed off that podium after the game yesterday. I mean, you want to talk about the opposite of the straight fire that he promised. The reporter wasn't even able to finish the question. She only got to the first part of her question. And that was all Tomlin needed to hear to piece the hell right out of here. Anyone? Mike, you have a year left on your contract. That's a reason to go? Stating how much time he has left on his contract? Are you kidding me? Stating a fact? That that was not exactly a reporter looking to bait or hook or come at somebody with something unsavory. (laughs) I mean, what was so offensive about that? She didn't even ask the question. Mike, you have a year left on your contract. That's it. I'm out of here. The dude didn't even stick around for her to finish the question. Who knows what the question would have even been? Maybe he wouldn't have hated the actual question. Maybe it would have been a softball. Maybe it would have been put on a tee for him. But we don't know. The second she even broached it, he's like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. The only thing missing from that was, you know who the hell I am? You know how many games I've won for you? All we know is, we don't know the question. We just know that he hated the topic. The dude had no time for talk about entering the final year of his contract. That much is clear. Except, my dude, one thing. You are entering the final year of your contract. And if you don't want people talking about that, storming off the podium was a pretty goofy move. Because it was the best way to ensure that everybody would be talking about your contract and your job status today. Maybe they would have anyway. But believe me, they're coming at it with a lot more intensity. When all you had to do was not answer the question. All you had to do is what pretty much everybody does in that situation. Not answer the question. They'll try to ask it again. Not answer the question. They'll try to ask it again. Not answer it again. And then the PR person steps in and says, thank you, everybody. And then you walk off. And it's not a big thing. Except you made it a big thing. Because you're the guy who's always demanding 
accountability and responsibility. And when the question was even broached, you just bounced. So no, the dude has never had a losing season. And he did just win 10 more games. And he made the playoffs for the team that really didn't strike fear into anybody at all. Those are the reasons I've had that dude's back the last couple of months. But in no way can I support this guy storming off the podium over a totally innocuous and totally accurate observation about a contract. I mean, hypocritical much, Mike? Considering what you demand from your players? And no, I can't deny the toxicity level in and around Pittsburgh is legitimately alarming. I bet you're not real comfortable right about now. But that's the gig. You know that. You more than anybody knows that. Steeler fan, you are unhappy though, aren't you? It's not like Cowboy fan or Eagle fan clamoring for the hood man. Steeler fan doesn't even seem to care who the next head coach is. I'm not even hearing that from Steeler fan. I'm not even hearing, hey, hey, Rome, we got to have Belichick. We have to have Vrabel. We have to have Harbaugh. All I'm hearing is we have to get rid of Tomlin. It's not like these other teams that see a better opportunity or a better coach. They just don't want the one they have. Which is obviously going to create a very awkward situation for ownership. Awkward. Even if they still believe in Tomlin, and they might. They might. Again, the Steelers are a different organization. They do not fire coaches, and this guy's never had a losing season. Except Steeler fan, I didn't think this was possible. I think they hate Tomlin more than they hate Canada. Matt Canada. Canada. Not the country. Matt Nova Scotia. I want to clear up all confusion. Matthew Manitoba. Matthew Saskatchewan. Matthew, Nova Scotia. Mattis, Matthew, British Columbia. I mean, they're giving Tomlin that kind of treatment. All right, when we come back, more of this and a conversation with Aaron Jones of the Packers. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 